This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by me. Hi, I'm Tim, the creator and facilitator of the New Evangelicals and host of the New Evangelicals podcast. Original, I know. We are a Jesus-centered and inclusive community that holds space for the folks marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and we help people like you leave that cold, dark, and damp basement of evangelical fundamentalism behind to explore the rooms of the Christian tradition together. You can check out our podcast to hear from all kinds of amazing guests who are way smarter than me, and even a few episodes where I get to rant to our podcast producer about how dangerous Christian nationalism is. Ah, good times. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts or slide into our DMs on Instagram at The New Evangelicals. Thanks. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. We like to call it the Jonathan underscore Foster podcast, and it's great to have you with us. And today we have the indubitable Robert Bell along with us. You probably know Rob. He's written a few books, uh, things like Love Wins and Everything is Spiritual. His most recent book is called Where Do You Park Your Spaceship? An Interplanetary Tale of Love, Loss, and Bread. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun to read, and it was fun to have Rob on today. I'm thinking this will probably be the end of season number seven. I've been doing these things like in seasons because it helps me have an entry and an exit. Otherwise, when I started doing this a few years ago, I was like, what, am I just going to do podcast episodes for the rest of my life? And maybe I will. But splitting them up into seasons has kind of helped me uh, stay organized with all of it, if that's the best way of saying it. And I think it's appropriate to end this season by talking with Rob. I'm not sure there's been anyone more influential upon progressive Christianity in America over the last, what, 10, 20 years or so. So it was really fun to have him on. And I was really thankful we got a chance to talk briefly about Indigo, but more importantly, all the stuff that he's involved in. So I dare you to check out robbell.com or find his podcast, The Robcast. See, I couldn't have called this the Jonathan cast. That just does not have as cool a ring. So again, we're stuck with Jonathan underscore Foster. That's just the way that it is. But yeah, find out about him. Just Google him and make sure you pick up his latest book. Speaking of books, again, thank you to everyone for helping make Indigo, The Color of Grief happen. It is by now, well, by the time you hear this episode, it should be out on all platforms everywhere. I hope you can pick one up. And if you like it, make sure you leave a review on Amazon or wherever you bought it. Turns out those reviews wind up being pretty important. Well, as we said, this is the last of our episodes for this particular season. It's been a great year. I call it a year. It's been a couple, three months. Had so many fun conversations. I thought about even putting together like an episode where I pulled out the stuff that I liked the best from each of these conversations. But honestly, I'm not sure I have the time to do that. There's been so many good ones. I mean, we've been talking to Pete Rollins and Heather Hamilton. That was a great conversation. And Ilya DeLeo and Jim Palmer. And come on, John Caputo, are you kidding me? Paul Young, who wrote The Shack, not to mention this episode here with Rob. And a whole bunch of others that I am not remembering right now off the top of my head. 
I really appreciate all the guests who've been on. And I'm really grateful that you have been on the journey with all of us. Thank you so much for your interaction, your support, the way you help make this happen. And if you want to find out more about what I'm up to, just make sure you check out jonathanfosteronline.com. You can find out all the stuff there. Finally, before we get to our conversation with Rob, during this important Christmas season, if you need a nonprofit to plug into and who doesn't, I highly encourage you to check out lovehaiti.org. That's L-O-V-E-H-A-I-T-I.org. The country, Love Haiti. We're doing some really important work down there in the rural southeast part of the country. These are some folks who really need our help. This organization has my very favorite origin story, of course, and we have some great people working with us. I hope you'll take a few minutes and just check out lovehaiti.org. Maybe you can give a few dollars or pray for what's happening down there. It's really important. All right, folks. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a great rest of the year. And here's our conversation with the one and only Rob Bell. Peace. What's up? Jonathan Foster. Man, I like your microphone. (laughs) It's the coolest. Only the best high tech for us. I know. We are not messing around. Where are you in the world in that room? Yeah, well, this is my bedroom, and I'm in uh, basically Kansas City. All right. Yeah. It's great to meet you in the living room in the sky. (laughs) No, it is great to meet you. Are you in SoCal? I'm in Ojai, yes. Oh, okay. Nice. You, um, You wrote a book called Indigo? Yes, sir. That is a masterfully devastating work thank you it like really really moved me that's kind of you the way that you uh the use of space the way the words sit on the page the yeah it's you that's like people are gonna pass that book around for a long time (laughs) i hope so that was really kind of dean to uh send that to you so yeah, no, it's, it is, you did something, it's like nonlinear, but linear. There's so many paradoxes in it that capture, yeah, it's like, it's like devastating because it so perfectly captures and, but you also did it masterfully. So it's like, it's like a bunch of, that's like a really, that's something, that thing is something. Thanks, man. Well, this is not about me. It's about you. So, so stop already. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, um, that's the opener. <laughs> I, you know what? That's the only part I'm going to keep. Thanks. Peace. Have a great it's day. Been great. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's uh, I'm already recording, so I don't know how I'll start this, but I'll maybe we'll just keep going. Um, but we've met. I got to come out to Laguna for one of your early creative things. So back in the day, we met once then that seems like so freaking long ago. I mean, I Mm -hmm. guess it was, it was probably 2014, but still that's a while, you know, I think that might've been, I don't know if you gave science Mike that moniker, but it was, he was there and that was before he was like science Mike and you were calling him science Mike and, and dude, he was blowing my mind and 
It was a great, it was just a great weekend, man. I, I honestly, it was one of my favorite top like 11 favorite weekends of all time. Oh, the top 11. How great is that? I know. I mean, maybe, maybe nine or seven, but I'm going to, I'm going to say 11 just to cover okay. my bases. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for, uh, thanks for all you've done uh, over oh, the years. That's very kind of you. For real, for real. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into it, man. Okay. I, well, I think we're going to have plenty to talk about, but if, you know, if you need me to ask a specific question, I don't know, just give me sign language or something. No, I have, I, I have no needs. I'm just fascinated to see where you want to go. <laughs> well, all right. So we're already going, but thanks everyone for joining us. It's really cool to have Rob Bell with us today. I, uh, do you know when I, when back in the day when you started to be uh, heretical, I would quote you, I would say Bob Bell. Just, <laughs> just for fun, uh, mostly to amuse myself, which is why I do most things anyhow. But And then every once in a while, you know, my wife would be like, who's Bob Bell? I'm like, well, that's Rob. I just, you know, I'm trying not to stir the fire too fast, but that didn't, really, funny. didn't really work. But My dad had a serious issue with Bob Bell. <laughs> Did he? It was like some sort of offense to his sense of propriety. <laughs> he was like Robert Holmes Bell, and he, Bob Bell was his, like, anytime somebody went, like, full familiar, like, assuming he was Bob Bell, he said that it sounded like a used car salesman, and he was a very proper man, and it just, oh, my God, that name. So every time I hear that, I laugh thinking about my dad somewhere just being like, oh, some guy who just tried to be all familiar with. <laughs> right. You don't know us that well. You can't do that. Right. Right. You don't get that. That's right. <laughs> Are your parents still around? or? My mother is. My dad died a couple months ago. Oh, June. Wow. wow. Yeah. What's that been like, if I can ask? There... He was a federal judge, and the ser the funeral began with 25 judges in black robes marching down the center aisle. Wow. And it was like Game of Thrones meets <laughs> succession. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and I remember, you know, it's so, it, as you know, it's so surreal. You're like, wait, we're at this? This is what's happening in space and time? But the, at the end my mom had the singing group sing like an old song I'd never heard before an old, like, I don't know what you call it, like a church song, like a whatever. And I found it recently on Spotify, the song. Wow. I'm, I'm driving down the road here, coming back from the ocean in Southern California. And I play this song cause it somehow was the, my, this, the dominant memory I have of, and it wrecks me. I'm hmm. just, I can't stop crying. And then just a couple of days ago, I played it again, waiting for my car at the car wash, wrecked again. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful where you played this song. So that's what it's, the waves Yeah. that come, that you, they just come. They just arrive whenever they feel like it. So you can kind of make them come if you, I, apparently now I can play that song and I can, if I just am asking for it to come, but otherwise, as you know, Right. But also it's interesting you say that because there are there are a handful of songs 
um, when our kid died that I was playing that really meant a lot to me that came from a variety of different places. Some, like you were saying, old things that I hadn't really, but other new stuff. And, um, and now I can still return to them. And it's not that I'm trying to manufacture a feeling, but there was something really special, as you know, about music and art anyhow. And it's so weird how, I don't know, neurologically we attach to certain melodies and words and times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a, pretty interesting way to help us process so yeah not surprised did you i i don't know if that i've heard you talk about your father and so if you don't want to it's totally fine but did you had a seems like you had a good relationship with him oh god i'm about to say the word complicated (laughs) but yeah my he he was a giant oh man part way through the funeral i was like this is like a folk hero yeah he came he came from rugged beginnings and had gone through just horrific suffering and tragedy and then mm. it's like decided he was going to do something and he was like had nuclear ambition so it was interesting <laughs> watching him not interesting i was always as a kid like is this normal um because mm. his energy level and he was and by the end he was like his specialty as a federal judge reagan appointed him in 1987 and he was confirmed by Biden, who I met when I was 16. So wow. like, like at first day when I was in my mid-30s, if they came for lunch, there might be like bodyguards in the driveway because he was doing a cartel trial. And so, and then he was just very, very serious about his Christian faith, which is almost like a, like held him together at some level. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this being good, moral, righteous, citizens christians etc it's like the his brother had died in a freak accident his father had died when he was eight so he was painting a house at the age of eight so he had been through such stuff that this he was held together by this work ethic and this persona sure. and this charisma and this accomplishment but you could just below the surface there was like a yeah so he was he was something he was something <laughs> yeah and like the, and you can, you can, it's like almost archetypal, like the janitor of the federal building where he was the head judge. It was like, yeah, he helped me. He helped my kids. He, he would stop and talk to me. He was that guy. Yeah. Anywhere you'd go, he'd know everybody. He'd ask me 10 years after I graduated from college, what happened to so-and-so? Didn't his, didn't his dad own a pharmacy and a, <laughs> didn't his mom have a lawnmower that like he would just memory for everybody he'd ever met? Yeah. I was here in my this garage in Ohio and he got dementia. So the past mm. couple of years I would visit him and he would ask my mom who I was. Mm. And then I I knew that his health was going downhill. He lived in Michigan. We we knew that he was it was it had taken a turn, but I was here in the garage and had this communion with him. It was like a it was like I suddenly, it's like, oh, my dad is close in some very, and I had this, it was like a fugue state or something of mm-hmm. like, we're good. We're good, you and me, we're good. We've been through a lot, but oh yeah, we're good. And I remember like, hey, if you're going, you got to go with nothing but love for me. And you, then tell, I, uh, you told him that? Yeah, there was like this yeah. very, like everything in its right place. Yeah. 
And then I looked down at the phone and my mom said, your dad just died. And uh, what's interesting is my choices the past maybe decade or so of what I've done with my life weren't ones perhaps that he, God, how am I? <laughs> that funny how we talk about our families weren't perhaps his first choices for me, which he was felt free to express, but there was also a tremendous love. But in that moment, he became like a happy Buddha. Like suddenly he became free from needing me to be an image that he needed of his family to be. And mm -hmm. he could just be, and I, he became like a, like a wingman, like a, like he was just laughing. Like I think previous to that, he would have like he would have been like, wait, you're you're in a garage somewhere painting? What happened, man? Like this wasn't the plan. And suddenly I could picture him going, like laughing, going, Yeah, I don't get it, but the subconscious is something, isn't it? Like he suddenly mm -hmm. was this very refined, sort of funny, jolly Zen master who was just along for the ride. Like he didn't need everything to be Yeah. Yeah. So I had a uh but yeah, a transformative encounter and with him that he became closer to me than when he left, he became closer. The absence became a presence. That became an extraordinary presence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I still to this I still sort of marvel at what that is. It was like suddenly I could suddenly he could be in on the joke mm. and didn't need things to be something other than what they were. Someone asked me at the end of a interview not long ago, what do you hope God says when you meet him? And I said, I suspect he'll say, well, that went different than I thought it would go. <laughs> I, I just like, it just hit me like that would be hilarious if that's the first thing that God says if we actually have that kind of action well that would i didn't see it going that way that's pretty funny you find out that the infinite all-knowing is just as surprised as anybody yeah yeah why do you think i set it up this way you think i like <laughs> you think i like knowing what's happening like right. if you know how the show ends it takes all the fun out of it <laughs> i mean that is so true philosophically and theologically it's unbelievable but it's so difficult for <laughs> Folks, well, I mean, not that I get it, but I'm just saying, yeah, that just seems like way more fun to me than a predetermined blueprint. Kristen, uh, my wife will all, but like if we're in something, it's got a little, whatever, it's a little edge, a little tense, she'll turn to me and she'll say, I wonder how this episode ends. <laughs> so That's nice. That um, has rescued us from a number of things that could have gotten us all knotted up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah good well, question. <laughs> I get the sense that Kristen has helped you a lot of times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always been a step, always, always been a step ahead. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm half joking, but half serious. I mean, I've, I've definitely, <laughs> I, I've, I've just from afar, I've seen that you guys seem to have a really strong relationship. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, We've been together for 30 years, so I guess we're on our seventh marriage. <laughs> That's a bunch of episodes. You know what I mean? Like, you'd yeah. come to the end of a something and another thing gets birthed. Yeah, it's, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how any of that works. It's a marvel to me.
I don't know, even. Life, life is weird, man. It's crazy. <laughs> well, you've been, uh, yeah, you've been after it for quite a few laps. I mean, years. Sorry. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your listeners are like, why is that nice? Oh, we got some inside baseball right there. I love it. That's right. That's right. Inside baseball. Um, and yeah, so listeners probably know all about you, written some books and then I suppose you've been, I don't know if you like to hear this or hate to hear this, but you've been as influential as anyone in like the progress, like helping a lot of us move out of that well predetermined blueprint into that mm. creative open-ended Mm. There's lots of options, but God is still with this kind of space. I mean, it's pretty cool, man. I, I hope, I'm sure people tell you a lot, but I, I hope, I hope they do anyhow. And I hope, hope you're proud of that in the right kind of way, whatever the, whatever that means. Wow. It just always felt like an endless exploration. Mm -hmm. It just kept getting more interesting. Mm-hmm. And when you were times like 100 most influential, like I've always wondered, did they give you a ranking? Did you say like, no. Oh, right. <laughs> no, where exactly did, I mean, it's great to be in the top 100, but seriously, time people, where was I exactly? Because <laughs> that'd be helpful to know. Like, because if you're 99, I mean, it's not that big a deal really, Rob. But I just squeak, was I, did I just right. squeak in? Right. Yeah. Top, top 10? Now that's worthy of, just, if it happens again, you might just want to ask a few questions. It's just so funny also because it's a list made up by people. And when you know the people, whatever the – because they give you – there's like a red carpet. They put a pin on you, and it's like stinches on the beaches. Some have stars on theirs. The moment you get that pin, the red carpet, photographer wall, all that, it's literally like high school. It's like you get this – you know what I mean? Yeah. And then – like this is all completely silly and all of the most it's just such a construct do you know what i mean it's such a thing that got constructed that everybody's very excited about and what's unique about that thing is that the people who aren't uh thrilled who are like over it it's one of the few things that those folks are like still in like even the people who are like oh yeah i did that a couple years ago so, so you're just like this is so silly and like uh, it's just it's such a funny, just so it's like that nothing's real. What in the world? Right. Right. <laughs> and well, that, what a nice, right. what a nice thing to do. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> it's very cool. So it's kind of like life. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Well, you've most recently written a book called Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? I listened to it on audio. So I got a double dose, not only of your literal voice but your also your you know your writing voice which i know fairly well but um oh did you want to know why i listened to it rather than read it was that what you were about to ask no oh okay i mean uh at, why is there is there an interesting reason oh yeah well yeah because my kid is in the football playoffs and his team keeps winning and it's a really big deal so we're driving a lot to these games and i don't oh. have I'm like losing years of my life driving across the country to these games. And so, so I, I knew you were kind of curious as to why I was listening rather than reading. 
Oh no, it's, it's what strikes me. No, I actually, <laughs> so many people prefer the audio. You're right. So, a, a growing number of people do. And it's fascinating to me how many people are like, yeah, I could read it, but I'd rather have you read it to me. Yeah. Which I think there's something, there's some sort of like all these new, all these new tools we have, like yeah. not that an audio book is new, but in some senses to have it on your phone instantly. Like, no, I know. It's just, it's like an intimacy to the, to a book. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And the audio part is growing like crazy. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. I was just messing with you there. Um, I was trying to talk about my kid for a second, you know, but anyhow. What, what happens now? Are we in the end of the, is it over? Are we still going? No, man, we're in the final four. We're ESPN this Saturday. If you're bored, you could watch them. So, high school, like a division yeah. or a class? Co college, college. I'm not that young, man. I got a Wait, college kid. Your kid plays college where? Colorado School of Mines, Division II, NCAA. So, where are you headed now? So, we're going back to, uh, so they, they are in Golden, Colorado, which is outside Denver. If they win that, they'll go to the championship down in Dallas the following week. So, and yeah. you're here for it, bro. I'm I'm here for it. He's I our last I, kid, and we're like we're just putting the miles on the car, just making it happen. Oh, my daughter's in soccer. She's 14, and oh man, there's no. I was in a game last night. I couldn't have been. I, I love it so much. There's a game tomorrow <laughs> night. I was, this is a three game week. I couldn't. Oh, just, what could be better? Well, now you're a beautiful game guy. I know that. Yeah. And I thought there might have been a, just a slight dig there in your in this most recent book towards tackle football, but we'll just oh <laughs> we'll just we'll let that slide. It's okay. Um, tackle football is so enjoyable and just ridiculous all at the same time. It I love is. It. Uh, but anyhow, before I ask the uh, question I was going to ask, I just wanted to affirm yeah, what you already know. Enjoy. My my daughter played soccer too, and uh, and I I absolutely I didn't know a lot about soccer growing up until she started playing, but I loved every single minute driving her to practice back and forth. Oh. I never I never wanted to do the carpool thing because I just wanted to hang out with her no. and I, be with her, and I, I don't regret. And it would stay late after, even when she got into high school, we'd stay late after practice and kick the ball around. So what what a great time, man. Oh. Oh, and the post game, you don't yeah. know what whether it's going to be like anger or joy or tears or euphoria. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I wonder what the, I wonder what this ride's going to have. Yeah. What we're going to what axe to grind or what? Oh, wonder it's how, the best. Wonder how this episode's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> I heard. Hey, let me try this on for size. I heard the um, he would have been the U of A University of Arizona girls softball coach a few years ago. That I think they have had quite a bit of success. So see if you agree with this or not. It's probably not quite this black and white, but he said, when people ask him what he's learned about coaching girls, he said that the difference between girls and guys is guys feel better when they play better. Girls play better when they feel better. <laughs> and I don't think it's that binary, but I think, because we all are obviously are in a, some kind of fluid scale, but I think there's some truth to, to that probably. That is fascinating. Wait, guys play, they wait. Guys feel better when they play better. Girls play better when they feel better. Okay. I'm gonna have to like write it out and you know, <laughs> I'll email you. I'll email but you. I, yeah. I, uh, it, uh, 
I can see that. Yeah, okay. I can see I that. About that. Yeah. That's fascinating. Anyhow, um, first thought I had when I was listening to your book as I'm driving across the country, it's it's not a foreign thought I've had when I've been reading you or thinking of you, which is that I love that you love what you do. Like I really appreciate the fact that like, you you enjoy what you're doing. And so I don't know what a good question is other than to say, why do you enjoy it? And why do you think it's important to enjoy this creative process that you're you're in? This is the only way it ever worked. And when I tried to like, I would just always just want to just shrivel up and die when I was playing someone else's game. I was like pathologically unable. I didn't do that well in school. And I would, I remember being like, whatever, 13 and being like, wait, the goal is to come up with something on the page that this one person will like. I don't like, like what? I don't, I don't get that. That is some, there's something about like some, something arises and it asks for expression. And it's like the only just lights me up. And there's always been a next thing that's like, let's try this. Mm. And I'll, well, working out of the corner of the garage. Like if we got to, we got to go punk rock. We got to sell CDs out of our trunk. We got to like scale way back. We got to go down to one car and I'll walk or ride my bike. Okay. Like you got to go on the Jonathan underscore Foster podcast. Okay. From, from the, yeah. Yeah. I literally, I'm the publicist on this book. Yeah. So I'd never occurred to me to put on the Robcast to say, yeah, I, oh, this is the first thing I've ever made that I was like, I could just talk about this forever. Um, yeah. So that's all, the only way it ever worked. And I remember at different times, somebody would say like, well, you'd be giving up whatever, whatever that would, it would, I would have to have something pointed out. Like you won't have that or that. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. How, it's just the way it worked. I couldn't phone, uh, if I phone it in or if I tried to do it, air quotes, how it's supposed to be done and not listening to some deep knowing, I would get like depressed, physically ill, uh, existentially. And there was one point when I got, I was so cooked, I went off the grid for like four months. We sold our house and lived in somebody had like a little cottage we lived in and and no oh um deep spent from getting sidetracked or getting drawn into a bunch of other things that I'm not here to do. So I don't know, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know if that's an explanation, but <clears throat> that's no, how do it's you- been. Do you ever have the sense of when you watch a show or read a book or see a painting or a photograph? And it's fine if you don't. I just just wondered about this. I was thinking about this myself. When you see something or watch something or feel, hear something where you get a sense of like, I don't know that the people that put this together are really enjoying what they're doing. This seems perfunctory. It seems 
like it's just I yes guess yeah yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, it's like a vibration or a frequency, or I can an energetic imprint that I can my body can pick it up instantly. Yeah, and I, I, anybody who's doing it because there's nothing else they'd be doing, I'm, I have always just like, like, yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even even those earlier books were all actually very personal. I grew up in this family and this tradition and this lineage and was trying to make sense of it. What is this? What is this thing I come from? What is, what are these ideas and concepts? What, what is everybody, what are these people talking about? I just happened to at some point get a microphone and a laptop and write something, but it was all, all along a deeply, deeply personal exploration, trying yeah. to make sense of where I came from, separating babies from bathwaters. Um, <laughs> So I did it, and I, I just think they remember because I became a pastor. And remember, we I started we started church, but I remember probably like late twenties. So you become like a pastor. So you'd like talk to other pastors, and I remember noticing other pastors had like a Sunday thing, like a game face. Like this is what you say because there's a paycheck and health insurance, and there's being approved in the powers that be. Like everybody, like the light shines on you. And I remember talking to some and they'd be like, I just read such and such, or I just saw, and it's blowing my mind because it's like, but of course I can't say that publicly because that's like outside wherever the things are. And I, I would have these, I remember distinctly thinking, oh, I'm, I can't do that. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was so clear. I mean, this was like mid, mid twenties. But if you follow this, if you grow in public, you may blow it all up and get run out of town. Like it may all go away. And I distinctly remember thinking, well, then that's what happens. Mm-hmm. It was a very visceral, like full bodied. We're here to follow this where it goes. That, and you know this, so let's follow it where it goes. And there were distinct moments. Yeah, they were very strong. Like, yeah, we'll just keep following it. Yeah, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of courage. That's. It didn't feel like it. It felt like... Probably not, yeah. Right, right. Like, felt like oxygen or, mm-hmm. or a Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oxygen or, or on a Tuesday. Or another kind of line would be obvious. Yeah. Like, what else do we do? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I really feel that now in my 50s. But, you know, what I think is, um, yeah, when I thought about the courage piece and what's honorable, about you, you were, yeah, you were doing that in your late 20s. And um, I definitely, like, now when I see, when I'm around a pastor or a creative type or whomever, I'm, I've cultivated that ability to see that, oh, they're mailing it in. Or whatever phrase we want to use, mm. and I don't—I'm mm-hmm. not interested in that at all. But I don't—I don't, I wasn't in my in my twenties. I was still really trying to figure that out. Um, oh, absolutely! And the and the the voices are so loud. Like yeah. mentor, authority figure, family hero, expert in the field. Like yeah, uh, there's enough people who are like. 
well, I mean, this, this is the next move. Right. Something inside of you is like, right. I know exactly why you're saying that. And I know for sure I'm not going to make that move. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something, man. Well, let me, that makes me think of one thought I had, one question I wanted to ask you. Um, and I know you play with this theme a lot and have over the years, but in this most recent book, you um, talk a little bit about bird brain and um, and you also talk earlier in the book without giving it away for people who want to read it. Where'd you park your the spaceship? Character, the character talks about it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the character. Okay, sorry, yeah. But you wrote the character, so uh, I assume this is your voice. So the we question may have, we we may or may not uh, be allied with the character. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> we'll suspend judgment on that. <laughs> Irrespective of whatever you wrote in this book, here's the question: uh, It has something to do with like I'm always really fascinated by like, your again the thoughts of like how birds you know they don't have mm. an individual yeah. brain; they have a collective thing or a colony of yeah. ants. There's no one. There's no hierarchy. They just figure it out. And then, so how, how can humans, what do you think? How can humans lean into that more and less of the, we got to have the top down person up top, tell us what to do, I guess is a way to ask. Oh, right. Well, you, know, you think about how creation works. Like if you, you have a bang, you have a big bang, and then you have these subatomic particles and the subatomic particles be at the bottom of the other particles in three minutes into the life of the universe, you have these atoms. So like bonds with like, Particles bond with particles, and that creates something new the universe hasn't seen before. But when you get a bunch of particles together, you don't just get a pile of particles. You get an atom which has properties that aren't present at the earlier level of particle, which this epiphenomenon, this emergent holism, whatever people call it, is how you and I are here. Like we could take apart, like we can take apart Jonathan down to the bones and neurons and skin and we can't find your opinions about ice cream or your favorite movie like so we ourselves even if we were to say point to jonathan and you were to point you'd be like no you're pointing to your body like even the sense of eye that you have isn't something that we can locate in any material way so creation itself it's it's uh it's fascinating to me right now in professional sports you have teams being bought by hedge fund managers you have a, a huge one happening in basketball you have one happening in football where these masters of assets then go and buy a pro team, which is like the ultimate flex. Yeah. And the teams are disasters because this man is a late capital free market master of assets, but doesn't understand alchemy. Like he just goes, this player is worth a lot. This player makes a lot of points. This player, let's get them. They'll put people in seats. But then a team is a thing that emerges when a bunch of players together, <laughs> something begins to form among them that can't be explained. Draymond Green for the Golden State Warriors can't be explained mm. how that guy somehow with these other guys. So, uh, so yeah, you can see all over our, our world, this even architecture and why does this space work the way that it does? Because uh, it's been called the thing that has no name. Like, there's something happening. This is why you stop and read a book in that corner of your house, not in the reading nook. 
mm-hmm. because that corner has something that can't be named. That is what happens when you put that pillow and that wall, that picture and that chair, and that's with that light coming in at that angle. And the architect was oblivious to it, but the person has somehow found their way. I think this is, God, it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's obviously the great mystery at the heart of this whole thing is. Yeah. And then obviously what do we as humans, when we together, we're all, we all form, we're all cells in some sort of larger body. It oh. is a great, it is a great mystery and it's endless, endlessly fascinating, but yeah. yeah, to push it further, how, how, how do we cultivate the ability to, what does it take to lean into that? And so that healthier things might evolve and emerge yeah, right. rather than just driving the same old thing into the <laughs> ground over and over. Well, like this week, uh, I do these things in Ohio where people come for two days and sit under the oak trees with me and people bring a question, their question. And then one by one, they sit across from me, ask their question. I ask them questions about their question and we watch a person get clarity on sometimes it's the project, sometimes it's their life. But what's fascinating is other people are watching them and Right away, this is a, an entrepreneur from wherever. This is a heart surgeon from wherever. This is a mom from wherever who's got a business she's running out of the back of her garage. But you're like, I share nothing in common with this person. But one minute in, joy, euphoria, love, loss, ache. And so what happens is you watch people going, oh, there I am. And then, mm-hmm. the, and then, then the second person comes up and sits down across from me. And then the, the game resets. And so it's really fun to me as the first morning by the second or third person, you can see the group start to go because everybody's sitting in a circle around us. You can see people start to go, Oh, like, I wonder where I'll be in this person. Um, and, and I, and generally by about the end of the first morning or the second, first afternoon, I was like, how many of you, something is happening that you can't quite name and say, because you keep finding yourself in these people. And that polarization, particularly political polarization, is the inability to see yourself in another. Like, I can't understand why that person voted that way. But what you're actually doing is you are learning to look far enough inside someone that you could see yourself. So why did that person vote this way? Well, they appear to be loaded with resentment. Well, how, do, how, how is your cognitive function... <laughs> How is your rationality when you're loaded with resentment? Like when you're in an argument, let's say with your partner and you're filled with resentment, is that always peak rationality? No, that's always when I say the stuff that's insane. Okay, so you can completely disagree and think that person's made a horrible choice, but the musculature to find yourself in others is the act, the thing. So like anti-polarization, looking far enough inside that person to see myself, looking far enough inside myself to see that person it's like almost like a set of muscles that people just haven't exercised much so uh but i just finished we just did one this week and it it all it's always different and it's always the same or you just watch people go oh my god these are all strangers no one knows each other and then within a couple minutes we have all this stuff that we share yeah 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 so this is an experience I've been doing these now for a while. It started as a grand experiment, but now if you begin not with the parts, but with the whole, not with the division, but the unity, not with the difference, but with the oneness, um, 
if you begin with we are all cells in the same body and for any like post enlightenment separation has been the dominant lens in western culture difference yeah. distinction and not yeah so like you think of a dream and everything in your dream that you had last night there's a tree and there's your third grade teacher and there's Saddam Hussein or whatever's happening in your dream. It's all these separate parts. But if we were to say, what's a dream made of? What's well, made of thoughts from your subconscious, I guess. So if the material of a dream is thoughts, then what appears to be different objects and people is actually all the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the, the separateness is actually, the distinctions are actually an illusion. So then what do we talk about? Somebody who's starting to get how the world works we say well that's somebody who's waking up <laughs> that's that's how it helps me is to constantly there's a oneness to all this and it breaks apart to all these differences and distinctions because love finds that really interesting yeah so you've <laughs> you just said a lot of good stuff people will will need to rewind that and and re-listen <laughs> but at least a couple things jump out and one is um we don't live in a substance-based, mechanistic, clock-like universe, but rather we live right. in this organic, entangled, yes, good and bad mess of a place that is constantly, from the micro to the macro, just creating and recreating. So, yeah. So, how do we help people, and how do I help myself evolve? It's to it's to constantly be reminded of that. And by the way, side note, theology very much a part of the conversation because the divine isn't some separate omnipotent yeah. being that yeah. you know so i'll tell you it's awesome it's really what you just said was really interesting to me where would i start with anybody who you're like okay where would you start i would anybody just off the street who was like what would that look like i would just ask them just tell me about somebody who uh annoys and irritates you more than other people just tell Mm -hmm. me about them i'll go right there and i would just keep asking questions until we began to get at how that person has come to be their teacher and Mm -hmm. how that person comes to show them something happening within them how they are actually a projector and that person is the screen that they're simply playing their movie on that person and what would happen because it always how it works is the more we would talk and explore this person's actual experience of this other person is the border and boundary between this person's exterior, what they perceive as an interior life and then an exterior world would begin to dissolve. Hmm. And so even like you think about the word hope and how many people, if their definition of hope, if you really were to ask and they were to be articulate about what they, what hope is, hope is, (laughs) how their mental furniture is arranged about the world out there and where it's headed someday. Right. But what we also did is that we just kept talking and finding out what's happening in the person right now and what they're thinking and feeling and what they're longing for and what's bothering them. Eventually we would watch them get clarity on some next step that is arising within them and inviting them. And they would, what would happen is they would go, Oh yeah, I guess I could take that next step. And what you would watch is them become filled with hope. Not about an exterior world out there and where it's headed someday in the future. You would watch them become aware of some 
sort of new creation that right now is inviting them to some step. Like I've literally had people in these sessions I do go have profound moments of clarity and go, yes, Rob Bell, but I could do that. <laughs> Almost like a, like the modern world, the cynicism of, around complexity is so strong that when people stumble across good, I would call it a, a, a hermeneutic of suspicion. Mm-hmm. How you read the world for so many people has been so shaped around uh, too good to be true and not. Yeah, I didn't need to come sit under a tree with Bob Bell to, to, to that's simple, right? Right, right. <laughs> and yet what happens is the educated, accomplished person is like, apparently I did need some people to hold up a mirror mm-hmm. so I could see. And I always just would, I always say like, isn't it wonderful that being you is something you could do? <laughs> what a what a wonderful bonus in exactly. the game. <laughs> yeah. But this thing, right, you're talking, this, this elegance or simplicity that what is next is present and doable is in many ways the great healing of the modern age. Almost like the kingdom has already arrived. Uh, and then and then you realize every wisdom tradition. Yeah. Like no one, no one ever, a friend of mine loves to say, there's not one tradition where somebody went on a hunt and went up on the mountain and met the guru and came down and announced to the village, I found it. And it turns out we actually are screwed. <laughs> no, the, 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 the person goes on the journey and they come back. They're like, guess what? We've been fine the whole time. It's been here the whole time. Right. We belong the whole time. Right. <laughs> Well, this imitative piece, too, this ability to see ourselves and others. I don't know. Have you read Rene Girard much? A little, yes. Yeah. So I'm a big Girard fan. And so people who are listening to this podcast right now are literally rolling their eyes because I will have dropped his name for the millionth time. But um, Oh, good. You're consistent. <laughs> I'm consistent, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that is, I just have found that to be incredibly powerful. And when I started reading him five, six, seven years ago, it really changed. Uh, it really began to affect me. And I began to get honest about okay, how many of these problems that I'm seeing in others are in, in me. Yes. And it's a startling high percentage of, of the problems are in me. And then, of course, if they're me, then I get really irritated because no one gets more frustrated about problems than their own problems. So I totally... I love what you're doing. I, I think that's that's so accurate. Yeah. As people begin to realize, I, 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 my guess, my sense is that in the next few years, there's two things, massive things that, that everybody's going to start talking about. Uh, one of them is going to be this realization that the external and the internal, there is no border or boundary. So all of the, we need to care for the earth. Uh, our bodies are made of the same thing as the earth. And you're going to see people, there is no earth out there. There is just my own moving in there in the world. The environmental issues people will come to see are deeply personal and they'll see obvious things they can do. And, and the second one is that people will, there's going to be a revolution in conceptions of time mm. that, that even the images carved out sometimes, stole some minutes that for so many people in the modern age, going back to, you could argue, the Industrial Revolution or 
time became known for what you can get out of it. And then the market has to have that as a scarcity thing. And yeah, people, you can even see now people realizing, wait, all the moments in my life that were like the best moments were all moments when my sense of forward linear time dissolved and I was just present. Going back to the eternal and a, some sort of eternal now that I've only ever been here now. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see massive. It's the new cold plunge. It's the new Enneagram. It's the new whatever <laughs> everybody's talking about. I think it's gonna be a t- there's going to be a time thing. And even all these ideas about, well, if you just work lots of hours, then you're productive and people go, actually less hours, but rested, Mm -hmm. I get way more done. So I've got to rethink my whole, so-and-so was in the office till late. Yeah. And they're exhausted and their work is crap. So I think you're just going to see a whole thing happen around those two things. Man, I hope so. That would be sweet. Yeah. It's already, you can see it happening. You can see it following the, you can see it already emerging. Yeah. I think. Right. But also at the same time, so what I'm picturing is like there's this wave and there's these things that you're talking about, the present and time and these shifts. And that wave could crash really badly, but it also has a chance to go really well. And so (laughs) we're just going to keep riding the wave and yes, let's make it go well. We can do this like, like, like I'm nobody, but like some days I just, you just want to give humanity a hug and be like, come on, man, we can do this. It doesn't happen. It doesn't have oh, yeah. to go full on violent apocalypse and right. Like you think think about slavery is the arrangement among human beings for pretty much all of history. And then there's this what 1770 to 1870 within like a little hundred year blip, a tiny little hundred year window. Pretty much every nation on the planet Earth decides that this thing is not only wrong but illegal and moral. Yeah. So, dear humans, you people can turn on a dime. Seatbelts. I'm not going to wear a strap. It's uncomfortable in a car. <laughs> yeah. A little data, a couple car, a couple commercials about right. how car crashes, you, right. you're less likely to die. And like a thing that no one did, everybody starts doing. And then if you don't do it, you feel naked and it's illegal and you get a fine. And it's completely now like, oh, yeah, he, he, we're bonkers adaptive. Yeah. It's astonishing, now, actually. But of course, the problem is when you're in the middle of it and also when you have the power, you know, and you've been building cars without seatbelts, you know, or or you're the white southerner who doesn't want. So you you factor all that in. Yes. But you're right. You're right. That's so myopic in if we can just back up. I've had that conversation like when my posture changed towards LGBTQ human beings. And I'm I'm sure you've had this too. People would be like, Well, so you're telling me after two thousand years of thinking it's supposed to go this way, we can just change. And I'm like, well, first of all, there's clearly been people all across the sexual spectrum for thousands of years. But that aside, hey, we changed our mind after slavery after thousands of years. We changed our mind about women voting after a few thousand years. Why why can't we change our mind? It's cool. Oh, oh, my goodness. Imagine. Think about next year's presidential primary debates. I'd I'd rather not. But okay, I will. Actually, I actually have a theory about. I, I think something really interesting is happening right now along that line. But imagine if in the future, every time there was a debate, because it's a representative democracy, correct? If every candidate, when they were speaking, how right now it says their state and whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, imagine if just on the screen next to them, which would take an intern somewhere two minutes to do, was just a list of the corporations that donate to them. 
mm. which you could get on the internet, but just move that to the screen. So when they talk, I have a sense of who they represent. Exactly. Like you think about something like that, which is just such a no brainer, easy thing, which is not even, it's like just, it's a, it's already public available, just duct tape together the screen of the debate. And that one, like, think of how many things are coming that will, people will be like, wait, we, why did we do this before? Right. <laughs> and don't you think, well, I don't want to encourage um, an answer one way or the other. I'll just tell you what I think. I think my kids are so much better built to adapt than yes. I was, than our generation. I Absolutely. think young people are phenomenal at seeing through the BS and being able to, you know, they may, that, that may not ever happen on the screen, but young people are already in their own internal screen, you know, are seeing that. And I, oh. I find so much hope in that. Oh, even right now, the... I mean, aren't your kids young, way cooler than you, Rob, everywhere? Way cooler and yes. way like, hold on a second. These kids in Gaza are putting actual footage on TikTok. Right. So the giant American industrial propaganda machine cannot compete with a girl on TikTok going, just showing you what's happening in my village, might not be alive tomorrow. You could, this, oh yeah, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're whatever their 2.0, 3.0 software is. There's so much stuff that like, they're just like, you know, that's like the dumbest thing ever. We'll be gone. It will be gone so fast. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's it's either the craziest time or the most fun time. I don't know. Or, or just a common. Oh, yes. All of it. It's, it's all all of it. I, have a, I have a friend who he, he love it. He'll just be like, I mean, we're alive right now, Rob. I mean, can you imagine of all the times to be alive? We're alive right now. Right. And the way he says it every time is just, I love it. <laughs> I mean, now. <laughs> it's a really quite amazing. Something to be thankful <laughs> for. Um, well, I don't want to take a ton of your time, but we haven't talked as much about the book as we probably should have. But there's a line in the book that, I mean, obviously, you know, just a little bit about my story that it caught my attention. And I've seen I got it written on my phone here. Either you are one of the characters. Who knows nice. which one well says done. says something about um, the sound that absence makes. Mm. Do you remember that line? Mm -hmm. What? Because I think he the, the narrator is telling you about his home. There's not there isn't music at his home. His mother sort of hits her head and isn't coherent. His father's just sort of a shell of a man. A sound so quiet, it's loud. An absence so noisy that it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy sitting around with his parents. Hmm. I like that line. Yeah. Um, how about the line that might be tied to it? It's towards the very end. Um, you said, or somebody said, there's so, <laughs> there's so much ungrieved grief. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? Just so much people are carrying around in their bodies. Loss, disappointment, even just the passing of time. Just, mm. and there's this direct relationship between grief and imagination. 
the feeling of stuckness, the feeling of block, the feeling of I can't figure out what's next, the feeling of that angsty, itchy, something you want. And then the tears come and a person lets another wave of grief move through them. And what I've seen so many times in myself and others is on the other side of those tears, like, oh, wait, I'm going to go to culinary school. I'm going to move to Kansas City. I could completely rethink how I do my job. I like just watched how often ungrieved grief and imagination grief is allowing what is asking to pass through you, pass through you and letting it go so that you can then be open to what is asking to come your way. Just seen this so many times. And you think about our, it's like, you know, that footage, there'd be like footage of a funeral in some country and, the Middle East and they'll be like taking the casket through the town square and everybody will be weeping and shouting and draping themselves on the coffin. And as a sort of proper Westerner, you're like, God, that's a little bit over the top mm -hmm. because everybody wears black and sits perfectly still. And then you think, wait, which one's more primitive? Right. Right. But the calm sort of, um, yeah, I think it's also, you can also see when, a celebrity dies and people are like really disturbed and you're like, mm -hmm. you didn't know Robin Williams. You you right. liked Mrs. Doubtfire and Good Morning Vietnam. You never hung out with Robin Williams. Matthew Perry. You can oh, Matthew, huge one. Yeah. Literally a star of a show called Friends. All this right. ungrieved grief, and suddenly there's a public like a release valve. And it all comes out. I have thought a lot about grief, and I have never thought of it in that way and and i think you're on to something there like part of what's happening is it's expand it's working to expand our imagination and you have to grieve yeah. those things person does not have tools or any sort of setting where or think of i'll think of the in the reflex of the person who suddenly is overcoming conversation you're talking to your neighbor or you're with a friend at a party and suddenly the tears start coming and the first that first instinct Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's come over me. Right. When it's like, wait, 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 wait. Your body is literally producing water to ground the, to water the ground at your feet so new things can grow. That's kind of significant. Let's must not apologize for significant things our bodies are doing as a sign of health. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This the body, not, the body is keeping score, right? The body is like telling you the truth. We're, we don't apologize for the truth. Yeah, there's something happening with the collective. And, and and obviously other times and places, people had all sorts of rites and rituals. And yeah. there's a day a year when everybody comes. And so I'm noticing how many people are just making up rituals. Mm -hmm. Are realizing, yeah, I got to do something in my driveway with a couple of my friends. We're going to get some, I don't know, we're going to get some helium balloons and some beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to write some stuff out and set it on fire in a bucket my drive like I'm just noticing how many people are just stitching duct taping together rituals like marking things something something that's in, very interesting in, right? inherent to there's some sort of tactile kinesthetic as humans yep. in which that which is passing asks to have some sort of representation in space and time that we then yeah yeah there's something about that well, and that reminds me what else is in the spaceship book, the um, the whole idea of how we 
you know, we've isolated ourselves from death and, you know, we have these places where oh, we, right, send, right, right. we send the bodies and yeah, farm it out. Yep. Farm everything out. And in, in that, that community, they were clearly trying to do it different. Everything was kind of centered around the seasons of life and, and how important that yeah. is. Yeah. Like when he says, you go to get your, your bread from the bakery and you, there's a people waiting outside. Someone's about to arrive and there's a bunch of people with some flames because somebody's just left and yeah. And you yeah. get your bread and go home. Yeah. Yeah. That was really beautiful. What's, what's your favorite name that you came up with in the book? <laughs> oh, and how long have you been pulling this list, putting these oh names together? God, I love names. Names are like, well, and the characters, a name is like a portal for me mm -hmm. into the who the person is. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, oh, I've always been names. I absolutely love names. And so like a, I'll sit there and I'll say it and say it again. And then I'll start spelling it to see how, what it looks mm -hmm. like. So right away when I was like, oh, oh, dear God, Rob Bell, is every single name going to be cooked up from scratch? So Heen, Gruber, Ziga, May, Lansing. And then all of a sudden this guy in the bakery, the Yeggs, Duke. And, but then in the bakery, all of a sudden this guy comes by named Bobby Freelance. I laughed <laughs> so hard and I was like, Bobby Freelance. And then when he gets recruited and that guy, uh, Wade, then I was like, drive with the mustache drives him. And I was like, right. okay, so we're, apparently the pattern is every single name is made up unless it's the like most American generic yeah. forward generic. Right. So the, the pattern gets broken, but it only gets broken by <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's eating at Applebee's and going driving home in their Chevy. Right. Um, I will yeah. say that that is one thing I missed um, listening to it. Like, for example, my favorite name to answer my question from the book is uh, Noon Yeh. Oh, good. And I didn't realize, like, I, where I, I, I read it somewhere. Maybe it's in the description and somewhere in the book or something. I don't remember. Because I listened. Spelled, it, but it's spelled, it's spelled like, like, yeah. Yeah. Noon Yeah. And yeah. you're Noon Yeh. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's actually, that's really cool. Just between you and I. Yeah, uh, not on the internet or anything. I promised myself. Do not talk about, because what you read was book one, do not talk about the future books. But you may just get a whole, at some point you might get a whole long explanation of the pronunciation and spelling of her name and where it came from. Who knows? I like it. I like it. That may be a whole doorway into who she is and where she comes from and why she's so thoroughly opaque in this book, <laughs> which turns out to be maybe a whole Easter egg will be explored later who knows i'm here for it man <laughs> so this was book one you're thinking three books that feels like that'd be a good start that's a lot of names rob i hope i hope you're carving out some time to keep track of there is a computer here <laughs> that does not have internet that is solely just for names and it's just for writing and names in like 18 point font and there may, in fact, be just a long list of names right there that I can see on the right-hand side. And the joy has, we're well into the next round of that. Kind of <laughs> hey, speaking of 18-point font, is do you, um, do you mess 
like I'll just say what I do sometimes is especially get towards the end I'll flip I'll go to night mode I'll do a lot of white on black in fact I was I was thinking about trying to print indigo white on black but I got talked out of it um or or I'll I'll just switch to a different screen I'll go bigger font or I'll print it out. Do you do that and kind of just get it? Oh, a different it just set? gives you like a different, slightly different angle or just gives you a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, I generally just, I just need big font. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's all I need. I guess I, I just, I just said all that for me then. Yeah. That's just for me. Uh, but you just gave me all sorts. That's really interesting. Huh. I can see exactly what you're saying though. Just a slight yeah. shift and you can yeah. see it a different way. Totally. Totally. Just set, think about what 17.5 font might do to your writing. Oh. It just blows your mind. Your mind's being right. blown right now. No way. <laughs> no way. It was a whole new What's, Did you say night mode? Yeah. You know, night mode, like where it's black screen, white font versus. Oh, I, didn't know that I don't know anything about computers. Oh, I'm yeah, going to try that. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. It's okay, good. Done. It's I'll slightly it. tricky on the Mac, but there's a way to do it. You just have to Google for a couple hours. Just have to Google. Just yeah. Have to Google. There's have, a guy. Yeah, there's a guy who, who's in charge of all that on Google somewhere. And um, But on the phone, your phone probably does that. I mean, you have, you've probably seen that, like where your phone will switch over in the evening. I've seen that brown thing where it's like <laughs> it just goes brown on you. Yeah, yeah. that night thing. Yeah, okay. I don't know about brown, but okay. Well, I, yeah, whatever night mode. It just looks can, to me like like brown is leaking under the screen, but it's, it's just making it easier, guys. I'm with you. Um, I can tell you're really close. You're really close. So you might just want to bring this up with your kids. And uh, yeah, the, somebody uh, in this house will have that dialed for sure. Yeah, someone's got to have that figured out. Just a thought. Well, I knew we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Oh, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, me too, man. So right now we're going to say goodbye to the people on the podcast. Any last words you want for peace and love and spaceships? Okay, there you have it. That was my conversation with Rob Bell. Make sure you check him out at robbell.com or just Google him for crying out loud. He's going to be all over the internet. Thanks everyone. Really appreciate your involvement, your interaction. Love all of you. Hope you have a great rest of the holiday season and into the new year, 2024, right around the corner. And I just want to say to all of humanity, we can do this. We can pull together. Peace is possible. You just got to be it in the world. So go do it. Thanks, everyone.